The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. TV party tonight! Oh, TV party tonight! Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know. We're dedicated yes. to our favorite shows. Oh, my circuit! Everybody loves hip Scary dog! Dancing at Blurred Ball! Futurama! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, your mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, I would like to tell you that, uh, as Jesse knows, Jesse Starcher, how do you do, sir? Mm, Mark Rattledge, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to be here tonight to talk about a season of The Wire I have not fully seen. Well, Jesse... Like I was going to tell the audience, and now I'll tell you, especially because you uh, you were disobedient and didn't didn't do the homework. You came to class unprepared. They have to give you a punishment. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, now maybe, wait a second. Let maybe, me make maybe sure. It's, maybe it's ten wax for the paddle. Maybe I'll make you kneel in the rice. <laughs> Let me make sure I, I clarify. Yeah. I'd not fully seen it until you know just recently. I, oh. So I did complete the season. Oh, I completed okay. the season. You're I completed good, all five seasons. You're I just, boy. you know, before now, okay. this is I, my first time I, I got to watch all of okay. season five, and I'd never seen it before. So, well, much like my wife, much much like don't, my wife, you did not communicate. Me, from your, please, <laughs> much like my wife, you did not communicate yourself clearly. But I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to say, my love, that when you walk through the garden, you better, you gotta watch your back. Yes, indeed. I, uh, I, I beg your pardon, mm-hmm. and walk that straight and narrow track. That's right. That's right. If you, Jesse, walk with Jesus, did you know that he was going to save your soul? I had no idea. And that you got to keep the devil way down in the hole. Oh, yeah, baby. He's got the fire and the fury (laughs) at his... I'm doing the whole fucking song. At his command. Well, you don't have to worry. If you hold on to Jesus' hand, That's right. we'll all be safe from Satan when the thunder rolls. We just gotta help me keep the devil way down in the hole, Jesse Starcher of the right. Boy That is right. No, that's not me. <laughs> so, okay. Blind Boys of Alabama season one. Yep. Tom Waits season two. Neville yep. Brothers season three. Domage, I'm gonna go with that. Season yep. four, and then Steve Earl. Is that Copperhead Road, Steve Earl? Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, season the very five. Same. Mark Radlich, The Wire <laughs> podcast. Not not the one that uh, is done by Method Man, but uh, yeah, no, this not, one not, tonight. Not no. twenty years on. No, because all the angels sing about Jesus's mighty sword, and they'll shield you with their wings and keep you close to the Lord. That's right. Don't pay heed to temptation 
for his hands are so cold. You gotta help me keep the devil way down in the hole. And at about this point, if I had special effects that I could do, I would crack the screen after I looked like I threw a <laughs> rock at it. Right. <laughs> we are here. We are continuing our journey from the corner to the deuce. The great works of David Simon. And as I tell all the pretty ladies that I uh, see on a daily basis, uh, this is his magnum opus, The Wire. And we are concluding our look at The Wire tonight. The Wire season five, Baby Dolls, uh, is the uh, the fifth and final season of The Wire, commenced airing in the United States on January 6, 2008, and concluded on March 9, 2008. It was the show's shortest season with 10 episodes. The series introduced a fictional version of the Baltimore Sun newsroom while continuing to follow the Baltimore Police Department in City Hall and the Stanfield Crime Syndicate. Yes, Jesse Starcher. The arc that began with season four, where Marlowe's crew had pretty much taken over the drug trade in West Baltimore, but they seemingly did it without dropping a body. Turns out they were dropping many bodies. Oh, they yeah. were just hiding them yep. in row houses. And at the end of season four... Uh, cool Lester Smooth, Lester Freeman of the Homicide Freeman. Unit, figured out, hey, some of these nails ain't right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these yeah. nails look like they came from a nail gun. Mm -hmm. That's and so right. He started pulling all of uh, Chris and Snoop's good work out of them day row houses to the tune of 22 dead bodies. But you know what? That doesn't stack up to a thieving politician. <laughs> As we're going to find out. <laughs> Good to know. And so we concluded season four with uh, the investigation into who put all the bodies in the row houses. In season five, uh, the other thing that happened is while promises were made, Jesse Starcher, don't you understand? Mm. It was a new day. Wake up and smell the coffee is what Cedric Daniels was told. And what he then repeated to everyone else. And then they found out that the school's accounting may be a little off. A little Jewish math, if you were. Um, what was it? Something like $40 million school fucking It's a lot of money. Yeah. 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 It was a lot of money. They were like, uh, all these promises that they had made mm -hmm. to the police force. Hey, we're, we got your back. Uh, yep. Look me in the eye. You know, I, I, I'm telling you the truth. You are going to be funded. You can turn these, the, turn this uh, city around. Everything, uh, no. <laughs> everything you need to solve this mass murder. Twenty-two bodies thrown into houses like trash. Everything you need, Jesse, to solve this crime. The mayor's office is going to give you. Oh, but wait, the schools are running a zillion-dollar uh, budget <laughs> deficit. Got a problem. And here. so the mayor went on bended knee to the governor, and the governor unzipped his pants, unfurled <laughs> his agenda. Oh, yeah, he did. And Tommy Carcetti deciding that he, too, would one day like to be a governor and unfurl his agenda to begging to begging mayors, said, keep your money. We'll figure this out. And so they robbed from Peter to pay Paul, which left no money for the police. And this picks up a year later. Um, their labs are backed up. They have no trace analysis. They can't oh, figure out. Bad. They can't figure out who did all. Even though they have DNA on Chris Partlow and Snoop, 
they can't trace any of the bodies back to them. So they're still out. And because Marlowe knows they've been uh, the reconstituted Major K squad under Lester has been with rejoined by McNulty, has been on them for the past year. They ain't talking on no phones, Jesse. Mm-hmm. They do all their Maybe business outside in the park with the pigeons. <laughs> That's right. And so they can't. They can't get a decent wire up on them. They they can't get a pattern. It's a year later, and they're no closer to solving the Row House murders than they were when they first started. And no one's getting no OT, and morale is low, and everything's the pits. Man, the one thing that sets this all this whole season off is McNulty going to get a car from the garage. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he gets about ten feet. And he's like, "What the fuck is wrong with this car?" Oh, well, <laughs> hang on, out. hang on. You are you are a cart before the horse, my love, because okay. what, because what really happens was they need more money to throw at the schools, right? And they're trying to figure out where else they can cut from. And Rawls, that bastard Rawls, <laughs> says, Rawls. "Well, there is a high end department, a high end unit." doing long-term casework they're the ones looking into the row house murders and they are they have a why and it, i believe it's also uh burrell that says yeah they're running a wire for the past year that cost them thousands of dollars a day and there's a discussion that takes place in the mayor's office about are we just supposed to come down off a murder of 22 fucking people that got left in like abandoned houses we're just we got national news we got national right. news coverage on that jesse and they're right, like, dude. no one's saying we're not going to investigate it. We're just saying we probably don't need to dedicate an entire unit to this. Mm-hmm. Let let the labs do their thing, and we'll come back on it when we've actually got something to go on. And so the major case squad, short of Lester and Sindor, who are assigned to the state, uh, the uh, public, def- no, they, they're assigned to, um, I can't remember the the term for it, but they're assigned to the uh, I think it's the state attorney's office to prosecute Clay Davis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the rest of the unit is disbanded, and poor old McNulty, the protocol son, the <laughs> him and Kima are <laughs> shipped back to homicide. Right? Did you know right. that you're sitting in my desk, Jesse? <laughs> It's my desk. <laughs> McNulty. What Man. a bully. And so, yes, then McNulty catches a case and he goes to get a car because the whole police force is just tatters without with the budget cuts. Uh, the one car has a flat. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, this is, go ahead. this is your one bad day. This is your yeah. one bad day. McNulty's one bad day that turns him into whew, some bad stuff. Yeah. Indeed, it was, Winfrey. Indeed, it was. Yes, it was. It was the best of times. It was the ver- it was the worst of times. Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast. Oh, we're all um, Screaming Boy podcast people around here. <laughs> that's good. All goddamn Screaming people. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so the point being, it is a year later. Promises were not kept. Money. There is no money to be had. We. They're not any closer to uh catching Marlowe, and then they're told abandon the case for the, for the time being and go back to business as usual all low these many years later after mcnulty sauntered into judge phelan's office he's back where he started and so him right. and bunk go out on a case and he learns prior to this that if you mess with a dead body in case you're into this sort of thing 
and I'm not here to kink shame. But in case you're into, <laughs> we, we might on that one. I just, I I'm might not shed a little shame on that. Like I'm not here to pass judgment. What you do privately is utterly up to you. Um, however, uh, <laughs> they they he learns from the coroner's office that you can juke a body after it's after it's died and make it look like a strangle job, but it isn't. That's the whole point of that coroner's office scene. And so McNulty, having gone back to the bottle and utterly fed up with his lot in life. Yeah, man, he had it so good. What was that season mm-hmm. three or season four? four. You're just like, season I mean, yeah, four. season four. He looks great. He's, you know, he's got beady. He's not drinking. He's keeping things straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Winfrey. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. McNulty, probably. <laughs> Episode right. 11, season five. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean he's yeah he's now in a, he's now in a shambles and yep. what is about to happen is uh, I, I think was it freeman lester that looked at him and says i can't believe this shit this shit goes through your head and so what goes through his head mark radelich so he decides that the way to get he believes he has come to the conclusion that the way to get the mayor's office to turn the faucet back on and get the money flowing so that they can get Marlowe is to fake a serial killing. So, okay. I, let, can we just talk about that scene for a second? Because okay. first season, fuck. 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 Yeah. McNulty yeah, and yeah. Bunk, you know, partners yep. in crime. And then here they are again, partnered up. And they... <laughs> They, and, and McNulty takes a swig and he starts making the body look like a strangle job. Right. And doesn't Bunk, tell Bunk a word. No. He just starts in on it. No, and then he just looks at him like 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 the cat who caught the canary. <laughs> eh? Eh? What do you think, man? Huh? Bunk's like, what the, what the fuck are you doing, man? I, I wanted to draw attention to it because Bunk's reaction is fucking classic. He oh, was like, yeah. he, like, these two guys have whored around and got into all kinds of chicanery and suddenly McNulty found the line that Bunk won't cross. And Bunk, who has watched McNulty like <laughs> season two with the prostitutes, right? You know, right. has you know burned every bridge and he's seen McNulty do some shit and he was right there with him the whole way. And then he's like I, I don't yeah. want no part of what you do no more. No, like no, no. Bunk was fucking done with McNulty. That was his, yeah, that was his line. That was the line yeah. that was crossed. And he, he didn't, you know, again, it wasn't like immediately he was like, oh, okay, I've got to tell somebody about this. He obviously right. was keeping his mouth shut because of uh, his respect for McNulty uh, right. and the fact that they're partners and you don't go rat on fellow police, but right. man, yeah, Bunk was not, I mean, thrilled like, at all. We'll just put it that way. Like he was he not thrilled. A- he looked like he saw a ghost. No, he was absolutely <laughs> right, fucking horrified by what <laughs> McNulty did, and yeah. he wasn't having it, you know. And, and Bunk McNulty... being the first one, of course, obviously watched this happen, and McNulty mm-hmm. entrusts him with the plan, even though he's not a part of it, and he makes sure that McNulty understands I am not a part of this. That is the uh, brilliant part of McNulty's psychosis, is that he's got he is. The blood that pumps through his vein is filled with righteous indignation. Oh, yeah. And he thinks everybody around him is with him. He is totally the guy charging forward 
while the army stays behind and goes, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but he's like, come on, come on, let's fight. And he runs ahead, you know, and then takes a spear to the face. Well, meanwhile, the army is just like, I know I'm not, we're not yeah, following you, sir. You're either very brilliant or very stupid. And that's what yeah. McNulty looks like here. You're like, okay, is he going to actually get away with this? And that's the, you know, the big crux of this whole season is right. how in the world is he going to pull this off? Uh, and you're just waiting for everything to fall apart. And you're wondering if McNulty is going to actually be successful. Right. Let's, let's stay so. with the serial killer thing. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk in a few minutes about the journal. The, the major theme of this season was the media um, as was schools was the fourth. The third was reform. The second was um, the ports and the loss of the middle class. And then the first one was, introduction to all of this right so thematically we're dealing with the media here and the introduction of the fictionalized baltimore sun and all of that and it ties into the whole serial killer story but i want to talk about that in a little while i want to stay with the serial killer thing because i know um robert and i have who's who's watching tonight and we thank robert for hanging out with us um have he doesn't he has discussed that he doesn't really like this season because this goes a bit over the top um oh yeah yeah, and, I'll agree. <laughs> and the foot. The I'm going to quickly summarize what happens here so that we can talk about it. But essentially, sure. over the course of 10 episodes, McNulty is joined by Lester and then eventually by Sindor in creating the illusion that there's a guy out there molesting and killing homeless men. He's biting them. Arr. And... Uh, <laughs> Again, not even... Free Lester pulls up with the dentures, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on now?" Right. Oh man, Lester has a great line about. It. He was like, "I considered the decision to come down on Marlowe, come off of Marlowe. Um, uh, what was the word he used? Uh, illegitimate. I considered the decision illegitimate, and they have put me in a position of defying their authority because their authority is, um." undeserving of being followed essentially and so lester who's who is generally in opposition to mcnulty in terms of the way they handled things like they almost came to blows in season three yeah yeah they did and here he's like nope i've come to your side sir after everything that's happened after the new day promised and all of that i'm oh, with man. you let's how let's how you know bunk brings lester in to talk sense into him and then Lester is the one like, that's like, like this seems like a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> if you want to do it right, we need to do it this way. And you're like, yeah. oh man. All right. right. Anyway, then, go ahead. Fucking bunk just like like listen, Lester, you you know, talk sense to the man. Like, like, no, no, I think he's really onto something. <laughs> Bangs his head up against the door. Uh just throws his pants at Jay, you know. He's fucking done, man. <laughs> Bunk went to go smoke a cigar and think about the decisions he's made. Oh um, my god! Anyway, so what happens is Lester and uh, McNulty create a juke a bunch of bodies, create a series of per perceived to be molested and uh, murdered homeless men, and then they call the media, and the media reports on it. This becomes a big issue. Tommy, who is the, the Carcetti, who is the mayor, is having such grave difficulties between the school and some and some other issues. He starts to get traction with the homeless thing, and it becomes like what his whole uh, office is about. And then they then then so he starts so now 
they're throwing money at this thing. And McNulty, the plan is working, takes the money and diverts it to an illegal wiretap on Marlo Stansfield and uh, getting surveillance on their crews again, which then eventually leads to them finding out that the way the Greeks and Marlo uh, came together and, and created a system was pictures of clocks. And one right. clock tells them um, where to meet in Baltimore. And that's how they set up the meets. Uh, and they just, you know, they're within, I think they said like they're within 15 minutes of any place. So whenever you get a picture, know that you need to be on your way to wherever yeah. the clock says you have to go. Um, and that's what they use the illegal wiretap for. Once they figure that out, they catch them getting a shipment off the boat from the Greeks and Monk and Marlo and Chris and Snoop <laughs> and uh, Cheese all go to jail and it all comes crumbling down. Um, but here's the Snoop, flying... I don't know if Snoop does go to jail in that one. I don't no, think not... she was around. She, yeah. she Well, they, there's a warrant out for her arrest, but they never yeah, catch her. Yeah. Right. Um, and she ends up getting shot in the head by Michael. Spoilers. But um, but to sum up, we're here for talk about it is that um, they end up telling Kima because Nick Nol because Kima is wasting her time on some menial task tangentially related to the oh, yeah, homeless, she's almost killings. She's She's pulling all this shit that has nothing right. to do while McNulty sits right. there and watches her. And he, he finally right. starts so, to feel guilty enough. He's like, right. okay, I got to tell her. Right. Well, the thing of it is, is everyone they've told up to this point has gone on with it. Like when Lester right. told Sindor, Sindor was like, please don't send me to jail for listening to what Marlo ordered for lunch. Um, that's a great line. But like yeah. Sindor's in on it. Sindor, you know, and everyone, everyone's in on the gag and everyone's buying into it more or less to the degree that they know what's happening. Except for Kima. Kima's like, mm -hmm. no, this this is immoral. And much like Bunk, but you know, Bunk didn't do anything about it. Bunk just tried to get Monk, get McNulty to come off the ledge. Kima was like, and she and she talks to Carver, who earlier in the season had to put uh Officer Frankenstein um on uh on he punishment. Does look like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um you know, Officer Lurch. You know, he had because when Officer Lurch attacked, what was it, a school teacher or some shit? Yeah, um, yeah he was so teacher. frustrated. He was like, Guy leaves out his horn, he should go to fucking jail or some shit. And it's like, No, Felicio, no. And so yeah. Ellis had to write him up. And, and Kima goes to Ellis and was like, Carver, rather, and was like, What do I do? And he was like, What you have to do. And so she goes to Daniels, and Daniels and Perlman figure out that the, the wiretap phone that's supposed to be for the homeless guys, a homeless murder, is actually Marlowe's. And yep. the whole thing comes falling down. Um, the way it gets resolved is essentially they find out that Levy is, got, is, buying, is illegally buying court documents from um, one of the officers of the court. And so Perlman and Levy basically agree that everyone gets prosecuted except for marlo marlo goes free and um they you know they're able to link chris partlow to one murder and through that one murder he has to take them all all the row right. house murders um now it's important to note mm -hmm. that it's not like they sent lester and all of them to jail no the mayor was so no, was, wrapped up in this that. 
Okay, yeah. All right. Go for it. Yeah. I was just about to get to that. Like, like he's like fully committed to this now. And then they come out and say like, Hey, the cops lied to get, to get extra money to go prosecute this guy. Like <laughs> that's it. That's the end of his career. He's done. He's never going to yeah. be governor. He may he not even be mayor been. anymore. So right. he's like, basically everyone's got to keep quiet about this and we got to like resolve it quietly and make it look like it was wrapped up neatly in a boat, which it is because there's another homeless killing, but this one's for real. And McNulty <laughs> solves it in like seconds. Yeah. And they basically ascribe, they ascribe all the murders to that one guy, and they Good and guy, they yeah. got Chris on the row house murders. So it's like we saved Baltimore. Yay, yep. roll credits, you know. Yep. Um, but to conclude, uh Lester retires, McNulty is drummed out of the police, is just quits, and we never know what happens to McNulty afterwards. That they I've read some stuff that you know, like fan fiction or whatever. Um that like he became a teacher and a drunk and let Beatty left him and all of that. But oh matter. well, that's fucking makes a lot of sense. I guess I yep. mean, teacher part <laughs> I don't know, but that all the drunk <laughs> the drunk and Beatty leaving him. I can see mm. that for sure, for sure. Anyway, so I want to talk about like as I said at, at when I started this recitation of what happened. Robert kind of hates this season because he thinks the serial killer stuff is like way over the top and stupid and almost like jumps the shark. What do you think of the serial killer stuff? Yeah, I, I can agree uh, to a certain extent. It was entertaining, but mm -hmm. I definitely found myself thinking, okay, number one, McNulty's an idiot if he thinks something this big uh, would not get out and that he would not suffer for it. And I really think they did a disservice to Lester Freeman with him like, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. I want to get this guy just as bad. I understand. Like obviously, you, there's... You, you believe that that character might say something like, I believe the decision to come down off of Marlowe is illegitimate. It's hard to believe he would full-on commit felonies. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like, I don't know if you're that hard up uh, yeah. to get this guy off the streets and think you're do pulling. There's a lot of talk throughout this whole series about being good police. Right. And that seems to fly in the face of being good police, in my opinion. Um, okay. Robert has a really good summary of, I think, both of our opinions on this to one degree or another. For a show this based in reality, season five requires way too many contrivances to play out the way that it does. Yeah, that's kind of I'm going to let you say your piece, but that's I just want to chime in with, with that. Yeah, I like my it. biggest problem with I don't hate season five. I don't hate any season of The Wire. And I like this better than season four. But as I said last last month. But my biggest problem with season five is for a show that was so was mired in gritty reality, this one is the most dramatic in the sense sure. of it's like the most unrealistic. It is the yeah. most like it's a little bit detached. Yeah, it's like I, I feel like we stopped dealing in what would actually happen in these circumstances with these people and created a large enough fiction. So they felt like they would have an entertaining story to talk about the media and all the other themes uh, that they get to in season five. And it's like, you know, so many, there's so much of that already. And what made The Wire stand apart from so many other television shows was they didn't depend on high drama. They didn't depend on unrealistic, over-the-top situations in order to get their yeah. point across. And then it was almost like, we got to go big. It's it's yeah. the last season, and like, like they plum ran out of ideas or something, and they or they didn't quite know how to get to the media stuff, the journalism stuff, without creating this asinine fiction. 
Um, yeah, there's no way any of this fucking shit happens. <laughs> None of it. I how did they not understand that telling more than two people right this is going to be found out pretty quickly you're in the position of law enforcement go ahead that's the thing like you have you as an audience member have to believe that uh mcnulty loves kima so much he would not let her he would sacrifice he would either sacrifice himself to save her from wasting her time or he's so delusional and he so he knows so little about this woman that he spent the last five to six years with that he doesn't know she would draw a hard moral line in the sand. Yeah, he you would think he would know better. Uh, you would think he would know her a yeah. little bit better. And it's like you, so you're being asked to believe a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. I, like I said, I didn't. I found it entertaining, but I definitely realized the difference of this season. The mm-hmm. previous ones. It's real. It's really evident. Um, I mean, as an as a dramatic idea, as as a narrative, uh, as a narrative hook, it's fun. You know, sure. we no, haven't I mean, seen Nolte act like a complete bag of shit in a while. <laughs> Watching <laughs> him try to go through all these hoops in mm-hmm. order to make this wire happen. Oh my god, my favorite moment in justin dealing with that plot was when the one guy runs over the one detective runs over to him and he was like hey if you give me a car in two nights and go to north carolina i can put this case down yes and mcdulty's like i don't believe you and he was like he's like you're just, you're just gonna make me come out and say it aren't you i want to go play golf <laughs> yeah mcdulty put in this big position um, and everybody's mm-hmm. coming to him, you know, it starts off mm-hmm. just as a trickle and then everybody starts coming to him so they can get all this stuff authorized so they can mm-hmm. use as much OT how they want. Right. Um, oh. and I think you have most, most of them are, what I like about the liar is that they will always show you the good and the bad in the same situation. And so you have the one guy who's like, I want to go to Hilton Head and play golf. He's a bag of shit. But yeah. the other guy's like, if you give me what I need, I can actually put this murder down. And he does. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, there yeah. are like what McNulty did is immoral. What McNulty did is criminal, but also you got to give credit where credit's due. Giving the people the tools they need to do their jobs got their jobs done in many right. cases. Right. It was just a matter of trying. I mean, when it first starts out, the mayor's like, "Oh, you got as much resources as you need for those mm-hmm. two detectives." Right. And then you, they've got to figure out how. Okay, how are we going to get this? faucet turned on for the whole uh right force because we need to get those resources used <laughs> to put these uh, other red right. balls down but it's just, it, it just and that was they would piece things together like when they figured out that the way they were communicating meetups to to get the drugs was with the clocks oh pictures of the clocks they were like oh now we have to now we have to have the serial killer send a picture right we have to have the oh. serial killer call a reporter you know, it was like every, and it was my, you know, my one of my favorite lines of this season is McNulty in a complete 180 from season three, utterly exasperated with, with Lesnar. He was like, you no wonder Daniel cringed every time you opened your mouth. You're a supervisor's nightmare. That <laughs> came right. from the guy who fucked two prostitutes. Right. 
you know, in the oh, middle of a man. sting operation. Wow. That is that is great. I um we can move on from this, but it definitely t- we needed some time to kind of sort through it. It's ridiculous, but it's fun and depending on but it but it's utterly misplaced in this show. This is a this is a great idea for another show. It's a poor idea oh, yeah. for the wire. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree 100 percent All right, let's talk about the media. So okay. we meet Gus. He is a editor at the Baltimore Sun. We meet Ama, who's the good reporter. And then we meet Templeton, who's a lion sack of shit. Um, <laughs> he, who is the actual New York Times, the black New York Times reporter who um, got in trouble for lying about his stories and then wrote a book called Burning Down the Master's House? I am <laughs> I am shaking my no, head because I've heard of it, but I do not know that. That name. is a real fucking story, by the way. The guy, the guy that got fired for lying in the New York Times wrote a book called Burning Down the Master's House. Thanks for thanks for being ungracious and you know for the New York Times giving you a job, you asshole. Oh man, I'm t- I'm checking out Google right now just to see if we could get a uh, an answer on that. But go ahead and continue. Um, and so basically, much like with season four in the schools and season two with the docs, there's a lot of time spent on world building. What is it like to work in an actual newsroom? And much like season two, where it's like this is the death of an industry that we're watching happen in real time. What the paper. And, and you and I have talked about this. The guys in the group chat have talked about this. We talk about this with podcasting. We talk about this with media. There's that always that duality of wanting to produce the best product you can produce, but also knowing that this is a sales job, you have to make a product people are willing to buy. Right. And right. having to reconcile the two sometimes creates dirtier hands than maybe people would feel comfortable with. And so that's kind of a flowery way of saying, you have the people who run the paper who know that the print media, ha ha, your medium is dying. Um, you know, the, the print media is quickly is going that down. Simpsons the Simpsons thing. Is yeah, that what that, you're doing? Simpsons, okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> it was Just literally talking about print media when he said that. Um, <laughs> so Robert and I'd like to do that bit all the time. Um, anyway, so they know that the print media is dying. They know that papers are are folding up every day. And so they have to write about entertaining things because to get people to continue to buy the paper. Sensationalized things. And then you have the sort of idealized um, way of looking at things as represented by Gus, who's like, we should just write the news and do the best job of writing it possible. Oh, and make sure that we're moral and honest about it, not fabricate shit. And so that puts him at odds with Templeton, who invents stories out of whole cloth. Yeah, yeah. Fakes phone calls to himself. Yep. Uh, you know, as this guy is the absolute worst yep. person that they need in that media room. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, you know... Because, it, because he's willing to pay ball. He's willing to play ball with the with the bosses who are concerned about writing papers. He is protected up on high. Meanwhile, you have Alma, who's like, "There's nothing in his notes." He was shaking a pad, yeah, yelling, "It's all in my notes." There are no notes. And there's and nothing gets, there. Yeah, and they send her off to fucking Siberia or some shit. Yeah, I'm gulag with you. You're probably going to ask me this question, but I, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with it first. Uh, mm. What was 
so the point of this whole plot was just to kind of show you like how print media is on the brink of going under. So we've got to make stories uh, that grab everybody's attention and make sales. Was there a, like a subplot here of like, should we not trust the media? I know right. that really wasn't on the forefront of things, but that's kind of the things that I was pulling from this. Like now I don't believe how I've got people making shit up. I'm, and you can see that that's happening. There's people that are Scott Templeton gets called out by many of people who he's talked to throughout mm -hmm. this yeah. thing. But uh, I noticed that that was kind of a thing they were leaning towards too. But would you say that that uh, you yourself is what's the main point of this subplot here for the sun? Okay. Well, real quick to address the, the reporter I was referring to, it's Jason Blair, Jason Blair. Yeah. And his book is called burning down my master's house. My life at the New York times, you ungrateful piece of shit. And in the description in Google book says the journalist who was at the center of the journalism scandal involving fabrication and plagiarism, the new, he's the one doing it. That's like, he was involved. No, he's the guy. He's the he guy that lied. Um, at the New York Times offers his own take, his own truth, Jesse Starcher. He was offering his own truth. Yeah. Um, how Now, how much, yeah, like, who's going to believe what is written in this book? Okay. Offering a critical look at the failures of modern news media. Oh, the guy who lies, the guy who lies and the guy who's ass fired from the New York Times is going to tell us what's wrong with It's a, It's media. a one-page book of a picture of himself. <laughs> yeah, <it was> like <laughs> holding a mirror, looking sad. <laughs> <laughs> to, to answer your um, question, the point of uh, you know, I think David Simon knew they 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 were coming to the end of the wire, and he was kind of out of ideas at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think he, and you know, got to remember, you know, like there was either Hermer, him or Ed Burns, one of the two, worked at the paper, and I think he just wanted to talk about that experience. Mm -hmm. But I think they also want, you know, just, just like season two, though, they wanted to address that the newspaper industry is dying. And what that looks like and how and how that affects people, how that affects the way that, you know, one of my problems that I've had over the years in podcasting with some of my contemporaries was some of our contemporaries continue to work in the industry as paid writers. So you have people who are sent to UFC fights, for example, to cover it as media. And. I would get aggravated because I would feel like some of those people were saying things that were not true, but they thought in order to keep their access that they would say, okay, you know, yeah. and I've, I've always had a problem with that. And I, while I understand it, a lie is a lie is a lie. Um, and I think what David Simon with the media stuff in season five is at what point is the media betraying itself in the people in the people when they're not giving accurate portrayals of the news when there's so much agenda driving what's being reported i remember um like a study of the media and like the way things are reported being so completely skewed an example of that being depending on who's committing the crime they'll they may or may not report the race of the offender so like a, like if it's like a black person you know, it's black guy commits robbery. You know, if it's a white person, it's guy in red sweatshirt, you know, or vice versa, you know, yeah. commits robbery. It's like you're reporting on the news differently 
based on the outcomes you want to see. Yeah. And I oh. think that was the point he was trying to get across. When you take a step back and you look at the, you use the word agenda, which is a great mm -hmm. word because the message, <laughs> the, the agenda here for the news, each of these uh, institutions that we're looking at in this season have agendas. We've always stuck with the police, mm -hmm. homicide unit, whatever. Yeah. They've had an agenda. The, the mayor's office has an agenda and so does the sun it has an agenda as well and you can see sometimes how they actually parallel each other mm -hmm. um, by the way there's a you talk about agendas and everyone has their own agendas narice might be my new favorite character of season five okay all right He's the city council president oh my god she has so many great lines in this season <laughs> like when, when burrell is finally all out going out on his ass like for bringing in fake stats and he and, and she tells him she just flat out tells him like, if you comply, you will be taken care of. You go out kicking and screaming. Right. Like, like dude, Norris, like Margot, Robbie, and Babylon is more man than anyone in season five. Norris <laughs> kicks <laughs> fucking ass, man. Yeah, um, there was that. You know, there was something. There's another line about, like, I know because he gave away the fucking store just to get rid of you. Um, <laughs> right at the end when Daniels, uh, where she's upset with Daniels. It's like, right. well, I know how to play this game. He's either going to do what I say or he'll be resigning soon. <laughs> right. You know, she knows yeah, where she's she, at and she knows she how to take play. no mess, man. No, she does not. Madam no. President will take no mess. But yeah, man. What do you think of the Scott Templeton media Gus story? Well, I mean, I, I love seeing Michael Clark. Michael Clark, right? That's good. Clark Johnson. Sorry, not Michael yeah. Clark. Clark Johnson. Um Coming back, you know, being uh, being kind of like the I say coming back. He was never in a previous season of The Wire, but we know he was from Homicide. Right. Uh, so seeing him show up in a David Simon joint is great. Uh, and he did a great job as Gus. Uh, I mean, I was entertained by the plot. You know, I had a good time watching it. But as to what I took from it, clearly it was just there so it could tie in with McDulty. I think know? I think my problem with the writing of this season was through all throughout it. We we talked about the serial killer thing being not particularly believable and a little sensationalist for a movie for a show that's so realistic. Excuse me. I have the same problem with Gus. Okay. Where I, I think Gus is supposed to be a symbol of a type of character. I'm not entirely sure a human would act that way. Like really yeah, like, what, what, well, like him yelling at the one of the editors, we can't print this shit. Like at some point, self-preservation for most of us kicks in. He is he not seemed... he's not some drug dealer on a corner. He is a professional journalist with a high degree of power. At some point, he has to know if they're acting the way that they are and you know, and okay with creating fictions and more concerned about winning a Pulitzer. He has to know yelling in the editor's face. We can't print this shit's going to get him nowhere. Nowhere. They have him right. doing that because he's supposed to represent that frustration. You know, he's supposed to represent that righteous indignation. And it's like, I don't buy that a, that a human being would act that way. Frustration is a great term for how I felt watching the sun mm -hmm. angle, too. Because I, you know, watching Scott Templeton, he doesn't really suffer too many consequences. He suffers not. <laughs> he gets a Pulitzer. He's, yeah, he's shaking hands, getting a Pulitzer at the end mm -hmm. credits. You nope. know, before it's remember it's, how I said nothing stops bitches and whores. Also, the bad guys <laughs> always win. 
right <laughs> right i was yeah i that was probably the one thing i took out of that part of it mm-hmm. was just how frustrated i was because i wanted gus to be able to put this guy in his place and there's so many times where gus is going out he's investigating if scott templeton is actually putting out legitimate stuff and he finds holes in everything mm-hmm. but nope scott templeton here you go. Here's a golden key. You know, because every time he went to say something, he got shot down by his bosses. Right. Because they like Scott and Scott was going to get him a follow. I, I, you know, I can identify. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that I can right. identify with Gus. So I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I like Gus as a character. Um, Clark Johnson, one of my favorite actors. Uh, so there you go. Um, by the way, I just I, five seasons. We've done this show for five seasons. Waylon is played by Steve Earle. Yep. Yes, he is. Unbelievable. Um, Bubs. Bubs. Uh, Bubs. Bubs got... the only one happy story yes. out of this whole thing. That's okay. They'll get offset by Dookie. Um, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But I, I wanted to uh, address the Bubs story because, you know, Bubs got Sherrod killed in the fourth season and they tried to hang himself and then he went into rehab. And his whole, his whole arc this season is in the dealing of grief and he has a great line in the um in the meeting room about it's okay to hold on to grief as long as you make room for other things and i think and i think that's very true i think we all process and mourn differently and in over different amounts of time and i don't think anyone can tell you when you're done but laying down and dying because of it is also not good Right. And, you know, and it was I liked Bubs this season probably because he wasn't a heroin user. Yeah. Like, I think his stuff in previous seasons gets a bit redundant. Um, This season, he's got a lot of introspection going on. You you truly see Bubs is self-loathing this season. Oh, yeah. He he does not believe he is worthy of love. He is worthy of life. He feels that he should have been dead a long time ago and he is struggling with that he is trying to reconcile why did he live and johnny die why did he live and sharad die how is he still around after shooting a uh, olympic size swimming pool full of heroin right you know and how didn't did he even, not didn't even catch the bug he yeah didn't i was gonna say it never even, didn't get h type some managed to not get HIV lucky right I mean he's like I don't deserve any of this how am I still alive and it is through interacting with the good reporter the other good reporter where the guy just hangs out with him for a while and writes his story and Bubs is like what and he's so ashamed of himself he's like what good does anyone what good does this story do to read my about my story in the paper I have nothing to offer anybody I'm worthless and then there's this reporter going, no, you're worthy. You're worthy of love. You are worthy of life. And your story resonates with people. People will identify with you. And that's the point. Yeah, that's a, a great line where he says something along the lines of like, your story may change somebody. Right. And he's right. I mean, just even though it is a very mundane uh, story, especially in Bob's eyes, he's just like, what is mm-hmm. this going to matter? It, it would matter. It's going to matter to somebody to watch Which, him go through the struggle and actually come out mm-hmm. the way he is. That's just the way life is. It doesn't. But they, you know, I think when Waylon looked over what was written, he was like, well, this is you. And he isn't, he, you know, he's not 
making you look any better. He's not making you any look any worse. It's actually you. He goes, there's that. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a story about a real life story about somebody who's gone through such tragedy mm -hmm. uh, is going to be inspirational, most likely to somebody to see. And somebody can yeah. say, I, you know, I've gone through that, too. And there's people out there suffering like me. So, it, yeah, it's a great I, I love I love that little bub subplot of mm -hmm. trying to get through what he's experienced and it's a struggle. I just even talk about that, not let mm -hmm. alone he's a drug addict trying to stay on the right path. Right. He has to deal with this and talk about it in front one of, of the, a lot of people. One of the things they talk about um, in real life and in the show about being a drug addict is that you will hurt and burn everyone who has ever loved you. Right. And look at the relationship between Bubbles and his sister. And it's you know, it's just like the last time I let you into my house, you were, you know, you left with my TV and half the shit in my living room. There is, is that and is she won't, deadbolt she, on the on the door yeah. to the basement. And I he mean, can't even say like, in the basement while she's there. Well, if she's not there, right? Like he, he's like, it's so funny because like he's trying to hide in her basement because the temptation to shoot up if he goes outside is too great, and he has no resolve. And she's like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Go out, right. figure it out. You're not staying in my house while I'm not here, when I can't watch you. Like the level of distrust, the lack of faith because of the years of misbehavior um, and addiction. Mm -hmm. But it but it makes it all worth it. It's that Cap and Peggy moment at the end of Endgame. You know, he finally goes up the stairs and he eats family dinner with his sister and uh, his, his niece. Yeah, it's great. And it... And it it made it made me cry happy tears when I saw it. I really yeah. liked it. Bubs finally came home. Meanwhile, let's talk about Mike and Dookie. Oh boy! So when we pick up, so Dookie wouldn't. Dookie got uh, promoted to high school midway through the year last year. Took one look at the high school and everyone around him and said, "Nope." <laughs> and so There's Michael started. Made. So in trade for Chris and. <clears throat> Snoop killing Michael's father or Bug's father. Uh, he in turn went to work for Marlowe. So <clears throat> one, he's got a drug corner, but occasionally they need him to shoot somebody. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so in the beginning, Dookie's running Mike's corner for him, but Spider ain't having none of it. Spider's so, you know, like, I ain't fucking fucking with a man. He's just a bitch is all, which I understand. I don't know about you, Jesse, but when someone acts like a bitch, you got to fuck with them. That's just the way yeah. it is. Uh, sure, sure. All right. Spider is very eloquent. I mean, I can see why this show got nominated for the writing awards that it did. Like, <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't fucking with him, Michael. He's just a bitch is all. That tracks, Spider. Thanks. Thanks, Spider. Um. <laughs> You know, and then and then poor Mike has to then parent Dookie. He's just like, why you let him fuck with you like that? Mm. And like Dookie has his spine is made of soft feathers. That's true. true. And so he can't be on the corner anymore because he ain't hard like that. And um, I think this is the season where Mike and Dookie go into the woods to shoot guns, and Dookie can't shoot guns. This and so he's season. like, well, right. And so he's like, well, just just watch Bug. Make sure he gets home from back and forth to school. And Dookie's like, what am I supposed to do? Stay home and bake cookies? And Mike's like, I don't give a fuck what you do. All right. Just get make sure my make sure my brother's okay. And so Dookie tries to get a job and he runs into Poot. 
And Poot's like, you're not old enough. Get out there and bang on some corners for some more. What you want to hear? Yeah, no kidding. And so Dookie finds Junk Man. Junk Man. He is the Junk Man, too. Yep. And uh, they start shooting heroin together, and that's where Dookie's story ends. Yeah, Dookie Unloved, well, abandoned in a in a in a in a vein full of heroin. Yeah, I mean this is it's sad. It's a very sad story. I saw a meme. I called a mm -hmm. meme. It was just a picture, you know, going on through TV time of all the characters that basically took the place of yeah the previous characters, right? And just like you said, Dookie becomes our new Bubs. Right, and Michael uh, someone becomes, becomes new our new Omar. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that like you used to be Marlowe's bank, and I think that money needs to be mine. You just a baby <laughs> shot in the knee. Mm. <laughs> That's mm -mm -mm. just a knee, motherfucker. <sighs> Mike, Mike is hard as hell, man. But Mike has yeah, a very Mike has a very sad ending, you know. When when he when he knows that when he's the one accused of snitching on Marlowe when it's when he wasn't, they got him on the illegal wiretap, but they don't know that. So they yeah. assume somebody snitched. They figured it was Michael because Michael's kind of the outlier. And Chris and Snoop are sent to kill him. And Mike gets the drop on him and ends up shooting Snoop in the head, which is a great going out line. Like Snoop is my fucking hero. Because Snoop is. How's so my hair? How's my hair? Uh, yeah. Like she's, <laughs> she's so fucking manly, you know? She's so tough. Like she's almost like a, a sexual, like, like um, uh, and I know what you're saying. Yeah, she, she's, yeah, she yeah. has like she has like a street andro like not a David Bowie androgynous about her, like a very like street androgynous. First of all, she's like this fucking big, yeah. so, you know, and she's always Perfect. wearing baggy clothing, so she could totally pass for a dude. But she is fucking hard as nails, as fucking hell, man. And so Mike gets the drop on her, and he's like, and she's like fucking bad talking him. She's putting him down. She was like, you was never one of us, always running your fucking mouth. Yeah, and Mike's like. I don't have to take this. I have a gun. Mm -hmm. And she's and she knows it. And she's like, fair play to you. Yeah. Yeah. And in the most girly <laughs> moment, in the most girly moment that she's had in two and a half seasons, how my hair look, man. How my hair look. <laughs> you look man, good, she... girl. Bang. Nine. Automatic. <laughs> of all the characters throughout this whole series, I mm -hmm. would say hers is the most if you say it's like the most surprising over Omar's, I'm going to throw something. Well, no, I'm not talking about it death wise because okay. that is, I'm talking about as a character. Cause when you're yeah. looking at her as a character, mm -hmm. you, she is not what she appears to be. <laughs> she is not a small dainty little woman. That mm -hmm. is for damn sure. She is the, and uh, you know, it is nothing but the streets for her. And she yeah. is completely okay with getting killed. And yep. she's completely okay with murdering other people. Yep. My it's, time has come. Uh, yeah. She is. Uh, she's just this weird outlier. of Other characters, you look at him like, okay, that's a drug dealer. Right. Okay. That guy, you know, that guy looks like a cop. This person, you have no idea what's going on in that head of hers at yep. all. So, um, you know, and Michael has a great line when they drop bug off at the aunt's house. And Dookie's like, hey, remember when we picked up those girls? Remember, remember, remember. And Mike goes, I don't remember anything anymore. He, Mike is he, gone. Yeah. And even Naaman yeah. said that in the previous season. He was like, Michael ain't Michael no more. Yeah. You know, and the next thing we know, we see Michael shooting with the thing Vince in the knee. Yeah. Speaking of being shot, we got to say goodbye to our good friend. Wow. wow. So 
so they kill they kill Blah and Butchie to draw Omar out of retirement. And uh, Omar and Marlo's people go to war. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about how Marlo went, uh, how Omar went down because the, the the thing leading up to it was him and the one guy. Other people do. <coughs> him and the one guy stalking Monk, but they, but you know, but they were the ones being stalked, and yeah, you know, the one guy gets damaged. killed, and Omar dives out a window. Spends Some Spider Man shit. Yeah, <laughs> s- spends the next two episodes fucking limping around. You really get to see Omar like torn down, like his like legendary badass status is utterly shattered in this season, along with his leg. And but then like the next thing you see him doing is being Omar about it, and he's running around and fucking you know just like throwing, stealing Marlo's drugs and throwing them down the drain, screaming to no one in particular. Marlo is not a man for this town. Marlo is a punk. And if he wa- and if he wants to go, he should meet me in the street. Meet me in the street. And the right. best part about that is everyone knows it, and no one tells Marlo. And Marlo damn near loses his fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, he does. He yeah, may he be does. going. To, he may be going to prison for fifty years for criminal conspiracy and murder. But he's worried that Omar called him. He's worried that Omar called him a bitch in the street. Right. But he called, he called me a punk. It's right. like he's like Marlo is Marty McFly. Did you call me chicken? (laughs) It's about that level. Yeah, it really is. Uh, But by the way, them them in the in the jail holding cell as they're discussing it, and like monks and and monk is starting to talk about it. Chris, yeah, shut the fuck up, dude. Fucking say a word, man. He's he's nuts. Stop talking. (laughs) Don't. And, And monk knows he fucked up. Like that guy is like not the world's greatest actor. But like in that moment, you could just see him going, I, I don't want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to say nothing. I know I'm fucked up. Yeah. And Chris is like, you done did. And Marlo's like, you better talk, motherfucker. Gosh, man. Yeah. Omar's death. Yeah. I mean, so what do you think, man? Uh, do you think that it. Well, let's talk about You that said you didn't know how you felt about it. So well, kind of. Explain let's that. tell the people what happened. He shot by fucking little itty bitty canard. Yeah. Yeah. Canard, who's like five. He is, yeah. Canard got a mouth of a 40 year old. I was going to say, Canard might be the hardest motherfucker in five seasons of The Wire. <laughs> it's like, it's, sure, they're they not related to Snoop in any way. I, I don't know. <laughs> might be Snoop's uh, baby. And I, right, and I do right. mean that. Like, he's like a fetus. <laughs> he's just that hard. <laughs> yeah, Canard, uh, you know, Canard fucking fighting with Naaman in season four and fucking up, you know, getting Doogie beat up by Spider. Canard's yeah. a bad motherfucker, all like right. two feet of him. And he so, rolls up, he rolls up in the Korean joint and just shoots fucking Omar in the back of the head unceremoniously. It, <laughs> it was very surprising. We'll just put it that way. Uh, you know, while we're sitting there watching, me and the wife have been she's been watching this with me. Uh, and of course, we're fans of Omar. You know, we're we're one of our favorite characters is Omar, this guy who's been a thorn in the side of Barksdale and now the Stanfield organizations. And he's at the Korean joint and then just out of nowhere, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, it was the first time I saw it was really jarring. Like, right. When they killed Lem in the shield, there was like a whole big buildup to it. When, um, you know, when Shane took his life in the shield. 
uh, there was a big build up to it. It was very like dramatic, but you know, maybe you didn't see it coming, maybe you did, but you absolutely were brought to that point. <clears throat> Omar's buying cigarettes. There's no dramatic yeah. anything. Like you had no idea that was coming. That that scene could have gone in any number of directions. No one suspected the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> had you Nobody. read anything? I, has there ever been anything like that you read as to why they did that? I'm uh, no. I'm sure that there. Has... I, I so think I... it speaks to the unpredictable nature of being a street urchin. You're right. It, it, there was a lot of commentary that I was reading about. Mm -hmm. You know the Hollywood ending that we wanted for Omar. Right. This ain't Hollywood, folks. This is no. fucking Baltimore. This is the well, streets. Look what happened you know, with McNulty and fucking Stringer. The Hollywood right. ending is McNulty puts the cuffs on him, the bracelets. Mm -hmm. What we, what he really did was get shot up by Omar and Brother Mozone. Mm -hmm. And there's McNulty I, holding his dick going, I had it. <laughs> what, 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 what is life? I do? Yeah. <laughs> what is life? What is, what is the meaning of it all? Yeah, so I think that if I was to put any money on it, I was just think the reason they did this is because they wanted to number one. Yeah. It's shock factor, but number two, mm -hmm. it's very much what could be happening in the streets. You know, right. this is something that somebody's going to go around like calling somebody out and somebody wants to make a name for themselves. And they're smart enough to be like, okay, I'm going to make a name for myself. They're going to take that person out as soon as they're not the, looking. The cognitive dissonance in Marla still cracks me up. Marla. A criminal conspiracy. You're being accused of criminal conspiracy. <clears throat> we caught you with a metric ton of drugs. I hear what you're saying, but was I called a punk? <laughs> did somebody did somebody mention my name? Did, That's what I want to know. <laughs> is someone talking bad about me? <laughs> I heard 20 years, 30 years in prison, right? But no, I, I first we need to address this. <laughs> Priority number one, June bug talking that shit. <laughs> He's got to get got, sir. He must he, get to God. He must get God. <laughs> Junebug must not talk shit. That is and what I what I love about the Junebug, I, I people listening like what? No, you got to understand. Like episode one or whatever, <clears throat> when the cops pull off Marlo, they resume killing people again. And like Marlo has like a fucking list. And oh, the yeah, first he thing he says is, "Yo, you need to shoot that motherfucker." I'm saying a lot of motherfucker tonight. I mean a different word. Well, my girlfriend's not here to give me the okay to say it, so okay. <laughs> I'm just going with right. the motherfucker. Um, and it makes Jesse nervous. So he's like, you get, need to get that motherfucker June bug. He was talking that shit. Literally, they're going to kill this fucking guy because he was talking shit about Marlo. And Mike yeah. even questions it. He's like, why June bug got to die? Right. He's like, right. Because he shouldn't have been talking shit. He's like, <laughs> what did he say? He's like, he said Marlo sucks dick. Let me ask a question. I, I might did he it. actually say this? Did he, did he suck? <laughs> no, it's not even did he say it. <laughs> Michael's whole thing was Junebug said, I'm going to wipe this up. Oh, June I remember said, this. I remember this. Yeah. You're telling me, Michael, <laughs> that Junebug said of Marlowe, he sucks cock. Let me ask a pertinent question, Chris and Snoop. But he doesn't. Did did Marlo <laughs> actually take the baloney pony down the windpipe? Does that does he? Does he? Does he? Does he blow men? Is this is this is this a point of contention of some kind? If he and, did, uh, and Chris Michael. and Super like 
no, Marlo does not, in fact, suck cock. And Mike's like, then who gives a fuck? Mike is my spirit animal. <laughs> like, why are we killing people because this because they talk shit? And then they're ever zealous, ever committed, ever devoted stoop because motherfuckers need not to talk. That's why. So you, you mentioned Back to the Future, Marty McFly. You know the whole chicken thing. There you go. Uh, you know, finally at some point in part three, uh, Marty realizes that you know what? He's full of hot air. There's no reason <laughs> to be worried about it. Yeah. So, Meanwhile, at the very end, the last thing we see Marlo do is literally walk in the street and pick a fight with somebody and scream, <laughs> "I am Marlo." Oh man, does he? Throw <laughs> I am not a bitch. He's obviously back in the street, so you know that's another thing. I, if there is fiction out there of McNulty surviving this, I don't think mm -hmm. that's the case because fucking uh, Marlo goes back out there. That was the whole thing. Like if he goes back out on the streets, Levy's going down, and they don't, they won't care. Right. They, they'll bring everybody ahead. You know, once the November elections are over, and which I think at this point they are when those credits are rolling. So yeah, okay. So let's talk about the final montage, and then. We have two games we have to play. I mean, extended. I got, I got a few things too. I actually brought my top my top moments uh, that uh, back for this season. So go ahead. Okay. Um. So the montage. Uh, before they just get to shots of Baltimore. <clears throat> um, McNulty goes and gets the homeless guy that he disappeared in Virginia, and he gets out of the car and he looks upon his city, and we get to see where things are in the near future. Uh, Dookie shooting heroin. <coughs> Michael's robbing drug dealers. Kima and Bunk are working homicide as partners. Um, Lester is retired and living with Chardine. Um, not, not a bad gig right there. No. <laughs> Park is, you know, still buying drinks for Carver and the boys of the precinct. With his newly minted salary as a investigator for Levy, who's my Bushbooker, by the way. Come, come. That's the, right. Yvette's yeah, making brisket. <laughs> You're my Bushbooker. <laughs> so good. Um, and like you know, the impression from the uh, from the montage at the end is after all of this, after all of this angst and contention and antagonism, life just kept going on. <coughs> you know. One of the things they showed in the montage was Fat Face Rick, um, Slim Charles, and I think one other person are meeting with the Greeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They killed a lot of people. They killed Cheese. They killed Cheese. Prop Joe. Cheese. Oh, my God. Killing The killing of Prop Joe is a rough scene. Yeah, it is. Close you your know, eyes, Joe. Close, close your eyes, eyes, Joe. This won't hurt a bit. Mm -mm -mm. And, Joe, and Joe's like, I'm just going to leave. I'll, I will go. <laughs> I, I got a proposition I, for you. I got a proposition I, for you. I, I'm just gonna go. How about I? How about I go? What if I just leave? And Marlo's like, "You'll be right up in the mischief again, Joe." And Joe's like, "Fuck, he knows me really well." <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, he's right. <laughs> but my favorite part about that is that they don't know where he is until Cheese gives him up. And <sighs> and when when Prop Joe figures that out, he just calmly, resignedly, aggravatedly says. That boy always was a disappointment. <laughs> Fucking nephew. So good. Um, anyway. So um, what are your moments here? Do your list. You're, you ready? Okay, here we go. Yeah. Don't we open up with the lie detector? 
of this season. Yes. Where they're <laughs> for the coffee machine. Your boy yes. gave you up. Your boy gave you up for a big back and a large order of fries because that's how he do, right? <laughs> oh, the, lie, the bigger the lie, the more they believe. That's great. It's a so yeah, that's a great scene where they're basically telling this uh you know, the suspect that this copy machine will tell them if it's uh, a lie or not. And they have him put his hand on it. And then they just run like a piece of paper that says true or false through it. And they trick this guy into thinking that he's actually, uh, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, I had Omar's death on here. Of course, we already talked about that. Number three, Callie Thorne coming back just for a split second, but Callie Thorne's in the season. It's fucking on a chair. So who cares? Mm. Yeah, well, okay, I got you. You got me there, but keeping along with that theme, homicide, life on the streets. Munch is in episode seven. He's sitting at the bar and he's actually talking about how yeah, I, I used to own a bar, and then you just kind of they kind of draw back from that. So seeing Munch there was great. The Quantico profile of the serial killer. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> I. <laughs> I, uh, I I I had to show that scene to Melissa, and like it's without context, it's a little hard to get how great it is. Oh yeah. But then basically, yeah. like reading McNulty's psychological profile <laughs> to him, and McNulty having to have that, like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm, yeah. I'm just <laughs> the worst. Just start re- His <laughs> eyes are just like, oh geez, they've got yeah. me. Don't. Oh man. Um. Okay, this might possibly be. It's probably top three moments of the series for me. <clears throat> all right. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, well, I say everybody, but you know, most of the people know what's gone on, what McNulty's done and what everybody's mm-hmm. done. Dan- <laughs> McNulty gets on an elevator with Daniels and there's <laughs> no words that are said. <laughs> and continued. of course you can cut the tension with a knife mm-hmm. and he goes up like what? Three floors. He, he gets off. Daniels gets off of the elevator, turns around and goes, to be continued <laughs> i'm like oh shit what yeah. a great moment fantastic uh we talked about you, the cop Go ahead. real quick like when they get mcnulty in the um in the uh interrogation room and rawls and daniels confront him about inventing the serial killer i don't ever I, as many times as i've heard their dialogue exchange i never like the way that it plays out okay um i feel like they robbed McNulty of an opportunity to have kind of a self-righteous hero moment. Mm. They made him to they <clears throat> at that point as 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 righteous as self-righteous as McNulty has been over the past se- seasons. When he they had him dead to rights, and he you know whatever was going to happen was going to happen. There was nothing he could do to stop it. Why not tell Rawls? exactly you know like he starts to become a little too apologetic about it and Rawls just cuts him off because that's who Rawls is but like when Rawls is like you couldn't live without the OT and he was just like no I took the money and I gave it to people to do real case work the rest I used for Marlo and he then should have there should have been a recitation of what Lester said you made us a promise you then promptly shut down our unit and called off the murder investigation of 22 people. If you're not going to do right, I'll make you. And that's exactly what I did. And that's what they should, they should have had him say something to that effect. Him starting to go, 
I know now and like be almost like apologetic about it. And then Rolf's not giving a shit anyway. I'm like, this is so much of this is so much of the same of the first season, but the first season it was still new. When Rawls is like, these are for you, McNulty, that's great. That's some great shit. You know, when when Rawls is really getting in McNulty's ass over the course of season one for being a uh insubordinate prick, that's all good stuff. It's four seasons later. It's McNulty's turn. I I had a little bit of a different reaction okay. to that. I felt that it was completely justified. And I think the reason why is because when I say justified, I feel that, you know, Rawls getting in his face and yelling at him. The moment you're not that, killing him yourself, are you, McNulty? Just <laughs> promise me that. That's a great line. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. That's a great way to start it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as there was a copycat killer out mm -hmm. there that was doing what McNulty made up, that's where I think McNulty that realizes that, confront that happens after that confrontation. That happens after? I could have swore it happened no, before. Yeah, yeah. No, no. They're waiting for him when he comes back to the homicide unit. And then, and Raw and Raw's first thing is, you're not killing him, are you? And then, you know, and they were like, you, and then he says, you couldn't live without the OT. And then he tells him, like, no. And, you know, I know now, fuck what you know now. Okay. And the only reason right. why you're not in bracelets right now is because the mayor can't live with it. Do we know that there's and a copycat that, killer before that happens? Well, it's, after, it's after that that he gets told about the copycat killer. And they're looking at McNulty like, did you do this? It's like, this isn't me. And that almost makes it worse. Okay. And then they tell him, if you know what's good for you, if you're if you're really trying to stay out of prison, you will solve this as soon as possible. That's and like, right. That's later, right. he does. Okay. All right. So I, I, the way I, I thought that uh, they had, man, I, I thought he went out there and like, anyway, it's been like an hour. Trust me. My memory is still not <laughs> as, it's, I just finished it, but my memory is completely crap. So, but anyway, we, we as a watcher though, know that there's a copycat killer before he goes right. in there. Right. So maybe that's why I felt like, okay, well, you know, there is some he should be taking it on the chin because of what's happening right now. Um, he is going to be the result. He is the reason that somebody else has died. And that's what bunk has been telling him this whole time. You know, look what your shit is doing. Look at this, what this bullshit story is doing uh, to everybody. And now somebody is dead because of yeah. it. So I felt me looking at McNulty, I'm like, he's guilty of sin. And yeah, he should take it on the chin. So um, anyway, all right. Well, you know, that was my, um, you know, my last note was Michael becomes the new Omar. And that was, uh, you know, that was uh, watching all these characters that we've seen go through and become, Sindor's the new McNulty. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's 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 a great way to end the season. Uh, mm -hmm. But those are my top few notes uh, right. that I took from the season. So there you go. All right, Jesse, it's your turn now. Let's let's play two games. Okay. All right. Your I like game it. first. All right. Okay. So epigraphs. I didn't. I don't think I've even heard that word until tonight <laughs> when I hopped on the internet. But these are the little quotes that show up after the uh, initial segments of each show. And so what I told Mark was, I said, you pick three and I'll pick three of our favorite epigraphs from the whole series. All right. So I'll start with my number three. Tell me if this is on your list. Okay. 
from Port in a Storm, Season 2, Episode 12, Business. Always business. That's not on my list, but that's a good one. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask my number three. What's your number three? Uh, Gosh. Um, I like this one. Deserve got nothing to do with it. Snoop. Late editions. (laughs) Episode 9, Season 5. Yeah, that's a good one. That's right. That's near the end. Um, yep. I like. I like what she. That, that goes back to the conversation she has about Michael and Junebug and all these people that, while that Marlo just indiscriminately kills or has killed, and is like these people don't deserve to die. And Stoops like deserving got nothing to do with it. We are yeah. here. <clears throat> we are in the service of Marlo. We are here to follow his orders. That's all she and, is. Is a soldier. Yeah, she's a soldier. You know and. That kind of blind devotion and loyalty, you know, and and it's trying to get Michael to understand that you're not in a position to argue. You're in a position to follow and, and execute. Right. And I, right. I, I like and, and in that scene, Snoop is just so fed up with Michael. Like, like, you're not getting it. We killed a guy for you. We've given you everything. Why are you not loyal? Yeah. Why, Stop why, asking questions. Right. Why have you not fallen in line? It's it's a I mean, to to a degree, it's a legitimate question. We've done everything for you. We told you, you didn't. It's not like you didn't know what this was. You knew we were murderers. You knew we were drug dealers. You knew that if you came to us and we did for you what you would have to do for us. Loyalty first. And he can't do it. He can't bring himself to. Michael is too independent, and that's what makes him an outlier in the Stanfield organization. Yeah, he's asking questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, now my number two. This is maybe from my favorite season, which is season four. Uh, make that season three. <laughs> uh, there's never been a paper bag. Bunny Colvin. That's a good one. That yeah. might have been on my. <clears throat> <clears throat> that might have been on my list. Okay. Pick one, number two. Um, Slim Charles, same season, mission accomplished. We fight on that lie. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. That's when things are kind of breaking down. And again, mm-hmm. it's another one of these loyalty things, right? Like it doesn't matter if it's a lie or not. We're going to fight on that lie. So, right. All right, number one. It's, it's he's trying to remind Avon, you're the leader. If you have to lie to get us to do what you need to do, then 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 lie. And we'll fight on that lie, but okay, you've you've got you've got to set the tone. You've got to set the pace. You must lead. Number one, and I wonder if this is your number one as well. Mm-hmm. Season one, episode seven, lessons. Come at the king. You best not miss. <laughs> best not miss. <laughs> All right, I got you one better. All right. Oh, let me hear what what could be better than that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and do a tie. Oh, okay. All right. Let's hear it. But they're both from season one. All, All right. the pieces matter. All the pieces matter. Cool. Let's just smooth. Really? It's a, it's, it's a summary. It's a thematic summary of the entire series that, right. This is about building something. Um, we're not just throwing bodies, you know, Piggly piggly, hither and thither. We are collecting every day evidence. We are building something, something 
that will stand up to scrutiny. Uh, something that will be tested with fire and remain unburned. All the pieces matter. If you cut corners, if you forget shit, it all falls apart later. All the pieces matter. That's the way. I saw I saw that quote on mm -hmm. a picture of every character of the wire mm -hmm. put together. And I, now it makes sense. Yep. So good quote. Very good. There's my and, there it is. Top three. Wait, wait, I had a tie. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. My bad. That's right. Okay, let's hear it. Bunk. A man must have a code. Oh yeah. That's a this is when he's talking to Omar, right? Yeah. Is that when that's happening? Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. All right, Jesse. Oh, I want to go. <coughs> I want to go out big tonight. We obviously are not going to do this with every single Dave and Simon show. We've only been doing it with the Wire, but we've had a lot of fun here. I don't quite, I don't quite want to say goodbye to you just yet. Don't say goodbye to me just yet. I can't say goodbye to you, Jesse. I can't quit. All you. right then. <laughs> so. I went to RappaportDan.com. Now, there's, like, YouTube videos of this shit, but I actually found a list here, and we're just going to we're gonna do some dramatics. You ready, Jesse? Oh, boy, Mark Radlich. I'm going to relish this. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is, this is, yeah, this is drama time with Jesse Stark tonight. We're going to read the 100 best quotes of The Wire. You ready? Uh, oh, here we go. Omar, I'll do what I can to help y'all. But the game's out there. It's play or get played. That simple. Good stuff. All right, I'm going to do Carver here. See, that's why we can't win. Why not? They fuck up. They get beat. We fuck up. They give us pensions. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, good old Preston Bodie Brodus. Yo, you're supposed to be the good cop, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh man. Detective William Moreland bunk. You seem awfully happy today. I got laid last night. Oh yeah, your asshole still hurts. <laughs> yeah, we did that one already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Troy Wiggins. Shakim is just pissed because I had her when she was still good. Yeah, well, you the ugly ass motherfucker that turned me around. <laughs> <laughs> Prop Joe, I heard your end would be covering my fee. Your fee? Yeah. I'm like a marriage counselor. Tell the man he ought to bring the bitch some flowers every once in a while. Tell the bitch she got to suck some cock every once in a while. That sort of shit. Speaking of cocksuckers. Uh, Omar arrives. <laughs> <laughs> to Omar. Uh, what is, I'm, what's, what I'm does Prop say? I'm yeah. Proposition Joe. You fuck with me, I'll kill your whole family. <laughs> and then, then Marlo shoots him in the head. Uh, ain't yeah, ain't none of this detective Freeman Lester. Ain't none of you ever been in the military? Don't you know how to you learn a thirty-inch quick time draft dodging peace freaks? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to bunk again. I'm just a humble motherfucker oh. with a big ass dick. <laughs> you give yourself too much credit. Okay, then. I ain't that humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, I'll be uh, D.A. Perlman here. What's the worst thing on a woman? A drunken Irishman. Da -da -da 
All right, uh, Cuddy from the Cut. Cuddy from the Cut. The game done changed. Game's the same, just got more fierce. You do a nice Slim Charles. Well, thank you. Oh, Avon, pleading with Stringer to listen to reason. I ain't no suit-wearing businessman like you, you know. I'm just a gangster, I suppose. Mm, that's about a point where you start to realize that friendship's going to fracture. Mm. Bunk. Them Greeks sure have some weird-ass names. Hey, don't go knocking the Greeks. They invented civilization. Yeah, an ass fucking too. <laughs> brother Mozone. Oh, brother Mozone. I see you favor a 45. At night I do, and I keeps one in the chamber in case you pondering. Omar. It's on the game, yo. On the game. No, that's, I mean, classic Omar quote. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. Hey, yo, listen here, Bay. You come with the king, you best not miss. I could have delivered that so much better. <laughs> you really could have. That's okay. We did this one last time too, and it's still not aged well. McNulty. All those mopes and bracelets, and not one of them named Osama. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, McNulty again. I got to ask you if every time Snot Boogie would grab the money and run away, why'd you even let him win in the game? What? If Snot Boogie always stole the money, why'd you let him play? Got to. This America, man. Is that the end of episode one? It's the end that's, of episode that's one. That's the beginning of episode one. Oh, be beginning. Yeah, that's You're right. The whole yeah. Thing yeah, there you go. Here you go. All right, bubbles, bubs. Thin line between heaven and here. Sergeant J. Landsman. Oh. For you, I would suggest some pantsuits, perhaps muted in color, something to offset Detective Moreland's pinstripe laurely affectations. And the brash, tweedy impertinence of Detective yeah. Freeman. Rawls is watching on this one. Let's at least pretend like we got a fucking clue. <sighs> tweedy impertinence. I like that, Lester Freeman. Avon. Uh, man. Fucked up, man. I. Y'all ask me, y'all ugly ass niggas shouldn't be in here fucking around with all these guns and shit. <laughs> Once again, cognitive dissonance. Ah, oh, yeah. Brother Muzone, you're the perfect bait. They will view you as conflicted. Your homophobia is so visceral. See that? I ain't even walked into place yet, and you're already calling me a cocksucker. <laughs> Lamar was such an idiot. Oh. Uh, <coughs> good old DeAndre. Deputy Commissioner. What's this Sabatka to you? He's an asshole. <laughs> Valchek. Valchek. We didn't even talk about Valchek. Didn't yeah, he become commissioner at yeah, the end of this? After 87 people lost their fucking job, he finally is the last man standing. Oh, gosh. It's fucking Lester, brilliant. Lester Freeman. A life. Jimmy, you know what that is? It's the shit that happens while you're waiting for moments that never come. That is a brilliant line, by the way. It is. All right. We'll call you Boris. Boris. Always <laughs> Boris. <laughs> Bunk. Happy now, bitch. There it is. All right, we're doing this one together. Ready? Three, two, one. Shit. 
Senator Clay Davis. Yeah, and he gets away. Man, he was a smooth motherfucker on the stand, wasn't he? God. The state's attorney turned him into Martin Luther King. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> the look on Lester's face. Oh, it's so good. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Detective Jimmy McNulty. What the fuck did I do? Jesse, don't get captured. Don't get captured. <laughs> All right, now, here's where I might have to disconnect for a couple seconds because I've got to try and figure out how to get to the next fucking screen. By the way, I am reading this. All the links are in Hebrew. I can read English, which is here, but everything else is in Hebrew for some reason. All right, so here's the thing. I went to the next page, but I don't, I don't see any more quotes, so I think we're done here. Oh, all right, then. Well, that's maybe if you count all of those up, that's 100 quotes together. I doubt it. But hey, we'll just we're, go ahead. And we're going to go ahead and do this. We've we've ran it into the ground. I knew that at least 30 was going to be pushing it. 100 was going to be something else. This would have sent this podcast into the yeah, stratosphere. Another 30 minutes. So I'm good. All right, Jesse, let's first talk your your thoughts on season five in total and then in the series in total. And we'll get out of here. Okay. All right. Season five. Yeah. It takes some liberties and has a good fictional time <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, so I didn't hate it. I was still entertained. You know, the, the last couple episodes watching everything come together, McNulty's plan fall apart. This bullshit guy at the sun actually, uh, you know, get called out by McNulty was great. So there's moments in this season that are, really uh you know defining for the season itself and for the series uh, there's plenty of deaths of people that were used to that, that we've kind of grown used to as we've watched the series so as an end cap for the series itself i mean it's definitely got the moments that you're probably looking for but as a whole yeah it's one of the weaker seasons uh compared to the rest of the gritty reality of uh the previous ones that came before yeah. now as the series as a whole uh, i mean my goodness mark radlich i've heard you talk so much about this series i've heard others talk about how have great I, this series is have i talked about it a lot <laughs> no <laughs> not at all um it's it definitely lived up to the hype i've yeah. you know i i will not say that it fell short in any way because I did enjoy what I was seeing. There was a lot of thought put into what we were getting on the screen to represent what was actually happening in the real world in most parts. Uh, and to watch this police work get done uh, in the stories for each of these people that all everything mattered. You know, all these people had a, a part in this story one might say uh, all the pieces matter. That's what I was going for. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I had a good time. I, I This is definitely up there. I'm glad we got to cover it, and I'm glad we actually got to – I got to talk your baby with you, and I'm so happy and so glad we got to do that. So, Jesse, there are many connections between people. Some might focus just on the sexual, but in the absence of the sexual, there are all these other connections you can focus on, and this, I feel, has strengthened our connection. I'll agree. I'll, I'll drink to that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, no, but seriously, I love this show. Um, I'm such a television snob. 
people ask me like do you watch this do you watch this i would straight up tell people you what you watch is trash watch better this is the best thing you can watch in the history of modern television in my opinion having not watched the sopranos this is the best show you can sit down and watch it is brilliant resonant uh it is <clears throat> um something that i believe is relative uh sorry not relative it's something that i think relevant sorry that's what i was looking for it is relevant even though it was like you know 20 years ago ish these are things we're still dealing with today from the uh struggles with policing legacy policing the militarization of the police um the lack of feeling like the police are part of the community the collapse of the community into uh tra trauma homelessness drug abuse generational trauma generational drug drug abuse and how those forces intermingle with the modern police militarized and desensitized police force to the feeling that you're either living in abject poverty or you're the super rich there is no middle class anymore and those in the middle are house poor and living check to check and one good crisis away from homelessness to do we really take seriously the idea of harm reduction drug decriminalization legalization um how do we reform is what we're doing effective um what is it to be a modern politician how much of your soul do you have to sell what about the schools are they just warehouses for children while people you know while adults try to work two and three jobs to pay their rents and their mortgages <clears throat> how do you parent your children if you're never there you depend on the teachers to do it. Are the teachers equipped to parent your children? Is, is this the system that we want? Is this what we've designed? And then finally, but what does the media have to say about all this? Well, the media has their own agenda. I don't think there's anything that I just said that people aren't in you know various quarters of modern conversation talking about or thinking about. These are all still very relevant ideas. Um, the Wire is brilliantly acted. The minutia of what's being presented, I think, is really interesting. It might not be for some. Um, the tragedy of their, the, the moral of this story being nothing gets any better. It just goes in a concentric circle. You know, for every bubbles that's for every bubbles that pulls himself out of the heroin-soaked muck and mire, there'll always be a dookie behind them. For every Omar that you know goes out on one big score and retires there'll always be a michael behind him for every mcnulty who <clears throat> charges into judge phelan's office with pith and vinegar to tell him this police force is fucked and the only way to solve the murders is to do things differently as he's drummed out of the police force there's always be a sindor behind him you know nothing stops drugs and whores it is a tragically beautiful beautifully tragic show and i've really enjoyed the five episodes that we've done discussing it 
uh, we've got more to go. We've got Generation Kill and then three three seasons of Treme and then Show Me a Hero and The Deuce. Um, the Plot Against America, I think, is the last one. And I'm, you know, and I always enjoy our hour together discussing David Simon's stuff. But I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably not getting any better than it was with The Wire. This is peak David Simon. And with that, that is our show that is our review of all five seasons of the wire and uh what did we talk about this week well we talked about how margot robbie's not a draw that's what we talked about um <laughs> robert robert winfrey and i reviewed babylon uh we also re-aired our there will be blood review that i did with gavin napier <clears throat> jesse seems to believe that it was stan lee's 100th birthday had he still been alive so he did not one but two podcasts hey you know what i'm you know what you nerd you dork I'm playing Marvel Snap 2. What do you think about that? Whoa, look out, Mark Radlich. Yeah. Has it, has it consumed your every free hour like it does me sometimes? Um, He's you know, not I, a nerd. I was playing at Christmas Day, and my wife came in, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you didn't want me around, so I went in the bedroom at my in-laws, and I started playing Marvel Snap and listening to Metal Hammer of Dooms wishes you a Merry Christmas. And she was like, hey, turn all that shit off and talk to me and pay attention to me. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. So have you not uh, played I, it since? Uh, I played a little bit this morning. Okay. I've definitely got, I got all two right. decks now. I made two decks. Ooh, nice. I'm, I'm impressed, Mark. Very impressed. Robert Winfrey was there with me when we reviewed Babylon. And she says she's not a draw and Babylon sucked. Yes. Listen to the podcast if you want to hear more about that. Um, anyway. So Jesse dropped two podcasts. One was a, Stan, a straight up Stanley tribute where they looked at Fantastic Four number 12, X Men number nine, and Spider Man annual number two. Um, and then they did another one for his top Stanley cameos, plus they talked about Marvel Snap. And hey, we re aired the Screaming Boy podcast, remembering Stanley on his birthday. Um, Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday, New Year's Eve. Uh, back in the day before there was an official on trial podcast, I had Gavin Napier record his own solo podcast prosecuting um man of steel because he believed that it was a terrible superman movie and then me and robert winfrey defended it and so i edited those pieces together and i'll be re-releasing it new year's eve as a on trial for Zack snyder's man of steel and then new year's day january 1st we're kicking off the new year of podcast in auspicious style jesse oh we are releasing Jason and I are talking about zombie tidal wave. Oh boy. Yes, sir. Um, you've got an unspoken issues for Superman Hunter Prey. That's right. And then Doomsday's I, back, baby. Yes, sir. Um, Tuesday, I'm re-airing our Kanaki versus Areola commentary that I'm sure everyone's just dying to listen to. And our first like live show. Of the new year will be January 4th. It'll be a Wednesday. Would have been a Tuesday, but I got to do Christmas with my wife's friends. So I pushed it to Wednesday because I'm social. And we are, Robert and I will be reviewing All Quiet on the Western Front, but nobody cares about that. What people really want to hear is the year in finance in the movie industry. Yes, our year end review show will be, will be our money segment after we discuss uh, possibly the this year's winner for best foreign film. Because uh, it's from the Germany, all quiet on the Western Front, and then, oh Jesse, it's that time again. You know, isn't you it? You know what time it is, yes sir. I do, as a matter of fact, raise your glass. 
It's the Whiskey Rebellion, bitch. We're going to be talking the funniest local stories of 2022. We're going to talk about the rise in um, board games. I blame the polyamory community, quite frankly. You you people with arrested development. But, <laughs> but yes, there's an article in the Washington Post about the rise of board game culture and uh, playing. So All right. the entire store is dedicated to board games. All right. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Jeff's going to make us react to band-made videos. Oh, that's happening. Okay. Yeah, that's the segment he picked. Oh, boy. Well, we should get about, I don't know, half a billion views on that. Yeah, that's going to kick us up to a whole... <laughs> we won't be live that night for that reason, because God forbid. Uh, I don't want to oh, piss yeah. off the YouTube gods, but when we upload it, yes, the band-made fans will be... Look, I, look, let me just... Look, just between me and you. Just me and you, Jesse. Just you and I yeah. talking. Don't mm, yeah. say a fucking word about Band-Aid. I won't say anything negative at all. Trust me. No. I will be their biggest fan. Every, everything they do is good. They're good girls. I know that. As I've heard just, that. Just just be a good dom and say Band-Aid is good girls. You're That's the it. one that, has, that we all have to worry about when Asians are on the screen. <laughs> all right? <laughs> mild sir. racism. Are the guilty one? There you got me. Put the cuffs on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> so yes, we'll be doing the whiskey. And then, what do you got? Are you going to show us pictures of infected penises? What do, what do you got going on? What's the game? I don't know. I, I've still got to come up with something. I know uh, I had an idea, but you know, I'm still, I'm still. It's got to be a surprise. It's, it's game time, Jesse Starcher. We'll be playing a game of some sort. I think infected penises think, are not on the list. I'll tell you I think much. you should show, you should show us pictures of a penis, and we have to guess male or female. Thanks for your input. I'll write that down and okay. promptly. Throw I'm it trying in the trash. to help you do your segment. Thanks. I know. I know you are. I'll have it all ready, Mark. Don't you worry. I got your back, buddy. All right. You got are my you six. Ready? Yep. Yep. You, you got my right. six. Okay. I do. As a all right. If fact. you ever need any ideas, though, I have more ideas that involve. Yes. Uh, is it? Uh, of those caliber? Penis. Yeah. Okay. Most of my ideas involve at least penises, if not exactly transgendered penises. How am I not surprised? <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um, anyway. <laughs> In 2023, there was so much penis. Um, um, hey, hey, remember when I told you I went to go see Goat Whore and Goat Whore didn't show because of vehicle? Ah, yeah. Yep, yep, well, yep. they're back, baby. Oh, Go they're doing a makeup show here in Tampa at the Orpheum where I saw Deicide. So I'm going to be seeing them Friday night. But Saturday, which is all anyone here cares about, everyone loves a bad guy. Yeah. We're going to re-air the rest of the shows that we didn't re-air this year. And we're, softened, we're starting off with evil corporations, Jesse. Oh, that's interesting because I mentioned this podcast, this specific podcast in a Unspoken Issues where we were talking about the Umbrella Corporation. Uh, evil corporations, yeah. Yeah. Robert yeah, Winfrey yeah. is listening right now. Let's let's tell Robert Winfrey we miss his Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Yep. If he wasn't covering SmackDown and contemplating his life decisions, we might be able to convince him to bring it back. <laughs> All right. Anything? Uh, go ahead and uh, tell people where they can find your silly little show. Oh, well, hey, go check out the Source Material Comics feed. Unspoken Issues is on there where we focus on 90s comics and, of course, the Source Material Comics podcast. Mark Radlich, I can't remember if you plugged Slayer or not, but me and Mark got together and talked Slayer, the heavy metal Santa Claus. And that was uh, last week, I believe, when it aired. So oh, you want to check oh, that out? Oh, no. 
<laughs> there was probably about what i don't know 20 minutes of comic conversation and then we were like let's do a list actually i was the one that did that mark was kicking and screaming but there is a gag reel so you'll at least yes. uh, get uh, entertained a little You're, bit there towards look, the end. if i'm not scissoring children <laughs> if i'm not scissoring children the other thing that brings me joy in life is your gag reel i uh, love i love reel. it when you gag reel jesse <laughs> i love to hear your gag reel uh the gag reel yes mm -hmm. check it out ladies and gentlemen but yeah that's that's all we got going on over there yeah i don't hey. even want to ask Scissor i don't me, even want to know Scissor me jesse <laughs> yeah buddy this is a wrestling thing, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the acclaimed. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of. Uh, I'm so out of touch. I watched <sighs> one episode, one episode of AEW, and oh, ruined boy. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Something stuck with you, and then you proceeded to repeat it all over the place. Is that what happened? Real quick. So my wife's boyfriend's kid is staying with us for this week, and he's a really sweet kid, really obedient, really well behaved. <laughs> and he's just he's just great but not every child in this house goes along with my gags speaking of which oh boy but this one this one def definitely does so every so every time i pass him i'm just like eh? and he's like yeah <laughs> yeah buddy and i'm like you're oh. my favorite oh, and man. uh robert weighing in mark is why we can't have nice things you ain't yeah. kidding jack yeah all right well jesse thanks for scissoring me Oh, yeah, anytime, Mark. I had no idea it was yeah, we're here. Uh... <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing there? How are you doing there? All right, Jesse. We'll uh, we'll come back in a few weeks for Generation Kill. Andrew Graham may or may not be living in the woods in Canada or covered in vomit. One never knows. We don't understand these Canadians. You'll have to ask him. All right. All right, then. <laughs> Jesse Starcher, it's all in the game, baby. It's all in the game. Mm, true dad true dad be well be safe and behave <laughs>